0: Hello, everyone. We are Irenicast, and we are live. I'm Jeff. I'm Bonnie. This is Rajiv. Thank you for joining us for our continuing conversation uh, to provoke your progressive Christian imagination. We are here for our, I think this is our third continuing the conversation, and we're going to be discussing our uh, latest episode, um, episode 167, I believe. So I lose track of the numbers at this point, but it's the Who Tells the Truth? And uh, Casey and Alan are on assignment today, so it is myself and the Rambobs coming at you <laughs> live.
1: Coming at you,
0: <laughs> large live. and in charge.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, this is uh this is cool. I, I, I uh, you know, it's Memorial Day, right? So, just want to take a minute to, uh, I guess. I don't know, a moment of silence or something.
0: Silence doesn't work too well on a uh Really, audio on
3: on a, on a live broadcast. It's uh it's not good and silent and right. It's like <laughs>
0: <laughs> And we anticipate many of you are either listening to this after the fact or you'll be watching mm-hmm. this uh after the fact as well. So we want to also be mindful of that. So um for those of you, whether you're joining us live or you're joining us later, thank you so much for your support and listening to the show on a regular basis. We always appreciate it. Um, so uh, let's kind of get into it, give our thoughts. Any Anything changed in our hearts and minds since we recorded and put out our latest episode on who tells the truth?
1: Well, I think we can say not Trump.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a safe
3: assumption. At yeah, the answer yeah. it in the negative. Oh my god, golfing! We've reached a hundred thousand deaths. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the but- the World Health Organization just pulled all their trials of chlor—what is it, chloroquine? That stuff that he's taking.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's like dangerous. Yes, can be for sure. So, and the people who actually need it are not
1: Mm -hmm. getting it, Mm -hmm.
0: unfortunately.
1: Mm -hmm. It's
3: crazy.
0: Yeah, absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's it's such an appropriate topic that I don't necessarily think we got too much into in the episode, just in terms of like the practical aspects of it, like just like how we receive and filter factual information as it comes in. And I was just having a conversation with uh, my wife today about that whole idea and how that it's, she was a psychology major for Mm -hmm. her bachelor's and she didn't learn research methods until like her third uh, year in college. And I never, like I had to infer it based off of my biblical education, like through exegesis and taking multiple sources and all that kind of stuff. And we were just thinking like, there should be just like English and math, there should be like research throughout each stage of people's development in terms of knowing how to filter and gather a consensus when you're you're looking at information. But none of that, none of that is taught. It's, it's all something we have to really learn. And obviously,
1: <laughs> yeah. we're not
3: doing such a great job with that. Well, just basic logic. I mean, you know, discern critical thinking, logic discerning the information that's coming at you <clears throat> right but
0: even logic can sometimes be skewed i would say that the the right especially tends to really lean heavily on quote unquote logic and i think that the the logic when we say that a lot of people assume like this binary thinking that assumes a level playing field and isn't bringing into accounts all the layers that's happening in a lot of way and just the discerning of information, right? Like reading an article, being able to discern whether an article is true or whether they're just saying something, but then they don't cite the source. And then if they do cite a source, is it a valuable source? Like all that stuff, right. uh, we just, we've, none of us have been taught that unless it's a part of our specific training or education later, certainly not in middle school or elementary or high school. Right.
3: But I I think based uh, while you're I agree with you, Jeff, complexity is not readily embraced by logic. Uh, But if the the populace had logic, they'd be like, oh, the president is saying X, Y, Z. And that's just not true because A, B and C is happening.
1: Yeah, but It's it's a starting place. You it depends on what assumptions you're basing your logic on. And I think that's the first question of critical mm-hmm. thinking, right? Is like, what are the assumptions from which we are operating here in this moment? And then what is my social location in relationship to those assumptions? Like there's, there are layers of being able to actually apply, like you're talking about, Jeff, like research or, um, you know, just critical frameworks internally. Right. And then also as you're receiving the information that's put out there, it's like you have to pay attention to both. What's going on out there? And then also what's going on on inside as well in right. response.
0: And I feel like our tendency is to look for the one-stop shop. Like I remember like one of the most common questions I got as a pastor was, what's the best Bible translation? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, you know, there is no one best. Like you can't, right. there's not this one all-in source of a, except for Jesus, um, to, (laughs) (laughs) to get through all that stuff. So it's, it's, I think that that's also a tendency for us is that we, we're maybe we don't, I don't want to say we're lazy, but we're lazy. You know, we, (laughs) we don't want to do the work and find the different sources. Yeah. So let's uh, just real quick. We'll take uh, just, uh, I just want to remind everyone listening that if you are in the comments, feel free to say, hi, we want to open this up to those of you that have questions or comments uh, either on the episode or something that we're saying right now. Uh, and it looks like we have a, a fourth person that's joining us oh, a yay. little late who's no longer on assignment. Alan, welcome to <laughs> Good the,
1: to the see live you, screen.
0: Alan. Good to see it's you. It's your too. boy,
3: Alan, joining us yeah. a little that's bit late.
2: Boy, it's your boy finally <laughs> joining you.
3: It's tardy just, to the party.
2: <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> Good to see you, man.
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: I'm glad to be here. I love it. I feel like we only exist digitally these days, so you know yeah. I know I'm alive because I'm here. So <laughs> thanks for welcoming me and welcoming me and Jeff. It only took you like three minutes to see you the backstage. I don't have
0: anything to manage like a live stream and looking for comments and making sure everything's going on. I was
2: gonna write a really long passive aggressive comment, you know, in,
0: and then uh, I would write video. one back for you not being there when you were supposed to be. Uh, so for those of you joining us, this is our, this is our, us. our, our rent a cast right. bickering a little bit. Um, yeah. but kind of going but back to, be, to what we were talking about. <laughs> exactly. Welcome behind the scenes. We've pulled back the curtain and right. uh, hopefully it's not too awkward. Uh, so for those of you listening again, feel free to comment. Uh, in the comments so that we can, you know, have your input on that. We've been re, uh, revisiting our, or continuing the conversation on episode 167, our who tells the truth. And, uh, we've kind of just ventured into an aspect that we necessarily didn't talk about in the episode itself, but kind of a continuing the conversation aspect of it, of research methods and how that's something that we are not privy to as we're going through our developmental and educational process and how that that's not a natural thing for many of us. Um, so, Alan, do you have any thoughts on uh, on discerning whether information is true, and how to validate articles and, and all that kind of <laughs> stuff?
2: Yeah. Um. So, I'm I'm knee deep in research methodology right now with my uh doctoral work, and so like asking all kinds of just really basic questions that I'm not mm-hmm. not really used to. Um, one thing that I really like is all the different methods of analysis like you can you can look at anything and then ask like beginning with yourself and your own experiences and then you like look at the the body of literature out there what do other people have to say and then then you can start applying different analyses like political sociological economic um ecological and then start to gather as many questions about a topic as you can from as many angles um it's is a beautiful kind of way of researching something uh, i i said this in the episode i believe but really peer reviewed research is where it's at. If you have folks publishing things and they're not allowing anyone else to kind of speak to it or to write to it, uh, I trust it a little less. And uh, that's what, that's what Rajiv was talking about. One of his famous four R's or five R's (laughs) is the idea of four. Maybe you
1: can add one more today.
2: Yeah. Well, you were saying it was uh, reciprocity was one of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that that's what it is. And you know what the, the tough thing is about like biblical study or studying about the Bible or literature around a lot of Christian literature is that it's not critical. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. doesn't come from a place of a wider conversation with other, other learning communities. So, right. um, Jeff and I way back in the day had a book. What was that called? Jeff? It was a commentaries for expositors or something like that. You know, like expositors commentaries. Oh, right, Oh, right. right, right. Right. And It was in my undergrad <clears throat> from the master's college, now the master's university, and I showed it to Jeff and I had a list of all the good and bad commentaries. Like you know, mm-hmm. only read these ones; don't read those ones. And Jeff right. was like, "This is actually so useful."
0: Mm-hmm. It and is I because all I the bought, ones I shouldn't read. <laughs> I bought all the ones that they said you should read. <laughs>
3: <Wow>. Yeah, <laughs> so was that affirming or like were you like, Uh-oh. uh
2: oh? Ah, back then I. It's hard for me to even remember where where I was at, but. Um, I think it just goes to illustrate that like there are people who start their research with the answer already without having an open and honest uh, mm-hmm. pursuit of something. And so when mm-hmm. I hear the word critical, uh, like in critical studies of Christianity or the Bible, what I hear is there's a willingness to have critical thought about what you're reading and not having um, like a resolution before you even begin. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, that's what comes it, to it, mind.
1: I mean, there are a lot of things out there around biblical scholarship that isn't critical, but there is a lot that is too. So I, you know, I just want to tell our listeners that look for it. Like there's so much out there. There's post-colonial lens, there's queer lens, there's feminist lenses, there's um, post-modern post-structuralist uh, and really good stuff to make decisions about. And wonder about and apply all those analy- um, tools of analysis.
2: And some of that speaks back to the the more like liberal academic, you know, hive mind over the last hundred years. I heard mm-hmm. you say recently, like some people, you know, the best, some of the best theology happens around the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that kind of pushback toward uh, academia still at least is dealing with the. The, the material in a conversation. So
3: it's all about reciprocity. Who yeah. are the conversation partners for the people yep. you're reading? Yeah. Yep. Well, I, and, you know, the kitchen table thing is a womanist construct.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Or observation, maybe, is more accurate. And it was developed by people in the academy. Um, mm. But rec- a recognition that it's not just the seminary cafeteria that has great conversations.
1: Right. And it's not without its own method. Like it right. has a, a method right. that's peer-reviewed. So yep. I think all of that is is really important as well to right. point out.
2: As long as nobody peer-reviews me.
0: I'm sure. <laughs> well, I remember Alan and I having several discussions during college about kind of the juxtaposition of our two places where I went to a university that was more of like, look at all these things. And then Alan's university was more like, Don't listen to these things. Mm -hmm. And it was like a narrowing of of Mm -hmm. voices into this particular thing. And and I remember we had a lot of conversations about that idea. And I think that when we're determining who tells the truth, uh, and part of that is research methodology, right? When we see an article or we see something is like, where is it narrowing the focus or is it giving you a journey to start?
1: Mm -hmm. And then question it anyway. Even yes. when it comes from a place that you think is vetted and, and appropriate, question it anyway.
0: But then what is the posture that you're questioning it from, right? Exactly. Are you questioning it because it doesn't match up with what you brought into the, that? Or are you questioning it because there's uh, it's a curiosity? Like, where, the, where's right. your questioning coming from?
1: Well, first, you have to know what it's saying. Right. And that's like, you have. sometimes I think you have to take it in several times to really get, like, what is the author? Or what is the source trying to actually communicate? And then after that, and you can enter that mind a little bit, then you can begin to question. Yes, but you're right. Are you corroborating your own own views that you come to it with? Or are you actually open to whatever it's saying? Right.
3: The third R, reciprocity, is super important. (laughs) Because if all you're doing is showing up, trying to defend your own circular trash can logic, rather than being open. Like, this is what I really think. Based on my experience, based on everything that I've given to this, this is what I think. What else is out there, right? And then you know, allow yourself to be changed. But you know, most of us, who is it? Steinbeck, I think, said nobody Mm -hmm. wants advice; we only want corroboration. Right. Yeah, I want God to agree with me. All my friends,
1: (laughs) (laughs) God does agree with you.
2: Now that that's (laughs) so that that goes into another interesting part of um, like who tells the truth how do I know when I'm telling the truth? Because so many times in my own mind and heart, I have paradoxical thoughts and loyalties and feelings and realizing that, like, you know, we need communities of people who are willing to hold us faithfully and non-judgmentally to help us to listen to ourselves. That's like the real deep hard work instead of just projecting what, you know, we're like, it's all the developmental stuff we've been talking about. We learn to hide ourselves from a really young age. And then so, Listening long enough with other folks to actually hear what we're thinking and feeling is step one in the process, but that's sometimes the hardest.
3: That's yeah. very true.
2: Very true.
1: Yeah.
0: So, again, if there's anyone uh, in the conversation that has anything to add or any comments about the current episode, episode 167, we know that this is kind of a, a again, Memorial Day, so there are probably many people out. Uh, We, we plan this ahead, but if we try to reschedule this kind of conversation, it it defeats the purpose because then we'll overlap with the next episode. So uh, if you're listening uh, on delay, welcome. And you can always catch this. If you want to see, you can do that on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Irenicast, or you can go to face uh, Irenicast.com slash YouTube where this will stay. And uh, depending upon your, your watching setup, I usually watch my YouTube videos via my uh, Apple TV on a nice big screen. So, if you want to see that,
3: yeah, that's exactly what people want. Jeff, you read yeah. the audience so well. They want to see our big faces.
2: You know now. Now that I'm now that I'm thinking through some things, like I was about to make a joke, and I would say, if you're watching, let us know who who is the one person in the world that gives you your truth, so that we can follow them and, and learn from them. It's like a, as like a joke, and then and then I realized, um, I don't know. It, it's a long it's a long process to to get to know someone and trust them to see if they are a yes. reverent person, to see if they do have all of Rajiv's ours, whether they know that they come from Rajiv or not. Um, <laughs> it takes a, it takes a long process. And I think that's why we kind of hold on to people who are authority figures in our life and we need them for a certain mm-hmm. season because exactly it's so much work to find someone that you can mm-hmm. trust. And so sticking with them for a while is a beneficial thing. You don't have to do all the energy mm-hmm. of trying to, to, to locate different uh, folks or sources. So that's yeah. it. That's, that's and then, you know, when is it too long? When have you, <laughs> when have you held on too long and not gone down your own progression and um, asked hard, like different questions? Uh, we well, we, we were of- talking,
0: we were talking a little bit about that before you got on is that maybe that's the problem is that if we, we narrow down our search to one person or one source is that we're not seeking a consensus. We're not allowing ourselves to be exposed to a variety of, of different voices uh, back in the day when I had fancies of uh or you know thoughts of possibly starting a church or something like that i one of the the tenets that I held strong to was if I ever did that, there would never be one person speaking from the pulpit <laughs> you know the right. four would be a minimum in terms yeah. of the perspectives and voices that people in a, in a congregation would be getting on a regular basis because I think that that's mm-hmm. important but we, we you know we we set up our our gurus our Sources of truth, and we, we stick to those as opposed to having, you know, a chorus of voices.
3: Well, I think there's there's, you know, it, in, in talking about truth and other things that are related to truth, we tend to be fixated on a singular point. And as we discussed, you know, you can you know, we sort of shared this thought was you can head in the direction of truth, knowing that you'll never actually arrive at truth. And along the way, yes, there are guides like Alan pointed out. And sometimes the stages you're going through um, might require a little bit of dogma to be put at you so you can navigate very difficult waters, so to speak. Um, You know, like you you ever seen the movie Princess Bride? Of course. (laughs) You know, what's the forest called? Like the fire, the firestorm and the rodents of unusual size. Like if there's a dude that's like, give me five shekels and I will tell you exactly what to do, but you have to do exactly what I tell you to make it through this part on your journey. Every now and then you need somebody like that who can go, this is, you just need to do this. And they're there to just get you through to the next thing. And when you get to the, you know, the fields of plenty or wherever you're headed, you don't look back and and think that guy is a jerk or whatever because they told you exactly what to do. You're like, they were there for a moment in my journey. You know, They might be stuck there doing that thing in perpetuity, but they were instrumental on my path.
0: Um, right, right. And I think that that's part of that that idea is, is being able to evaluate context, right? There are certain contexts or seasons in life where we need a binary way of thinking like you do this or you don't do this, whether it's when we're growing up as a child or whether we're in a cultural context or that that requires us to to live in that way, like for people that might live in a war zone, like it's not a matter of. You know, I want to get my hair cut. It's a matter of if I go outside and I don't follow these rules, then then my life is at jeopardy. And I think that I think that we're looking at a difficult transition for the way that we lived in our country to evaluate the context, to have a temporary set of binaries to guide us as we maneuver through a pandemic. And then thinking that it's going to change things forever, as opposed to, oh, this is a, a unique
2: circumstance. Right. that's so triggering to hear all that for some reason because you know everything's always a war even if there's no pandemic even if there's nothing it's people are fighting for their perspective and that has to happen like a lot of a lot of the time i'll read christian thinkers and be like well that applies for you maybe but if you were you know seeking to get justice for your uh your Mm -hmm. family and your people it'd be so different and then i think lately i'm there's just not enough of us. There's not enough of us in our society to not be entrenched, like to actually like read people at their, their best. Um, And now I'm sounding like, I don't know, a middle of the road kind of person. And I I don't want to do that. But at the same time, I feel like uh, all learning is so hypercharged in terms of like, who are you listening to? Who are you loyal to? Rather than people being willing to, to give a little bit of space to tension and mystery and paradox and, you know, allow to sit in that space for a little while We're we're all fighting these cultural battles and that's, it's just tiring, I think. And I'm young. I mean, I was, I was a kid in the nineties, you know, talk about cultural battles. That's all I've ever known my whole life.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But a cultural battle is different from like a literal battle. Like, I mean, the, the fact that there is a cultural battle battle is, is emblematic of some sort of privilege or lack of, outside like yes existential threat to your your life especially you know for for us uh you know straight cis males we're sometimes we we impose that ideological battle on ourselves because we we're slipping our, our power is slipping away or or whatever
2: but well i guess what i'm trying to get at is like our our human consciousness itself is so resistant to change and resistant to like functioning at a higher level. And it's threatening the whole planet. It's like threatening all of us because we're not able to access a space where we are allowed to change. And we do allow other people to change. And we go through that process yeah. of learning together. Like that's not happening and it's going to kill it. It's going to kill all of us. And so um, I don't know if it's like the long game I'm, I'm kind of like thinking through now, but I, I'm not making any judgment values on anyone who, who takes a certain tack or is fighting a really important battle. I'm just thinking in terms of our resistance to learning. I think Americans are resistant <laughs> to learning to some degree,
1: hmm. including
2: those of us in the academy or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wonder, it,
2: go ahead, Bunny.
0: I was just
1: wondering, like, is it resistant to learning or resistant to listening to each other? Or is that sort of the same thing? It, are you equating those two, Alan? It probably
2: starts with like listening to yourself. I don't mm-hmm. think anyone's listening to themselves long enough and deep enough to where they're comfortable to listen to other people. Because we're but all seeking space.
1: Can you hear yourself without the community that surrounds you?
2: No. You need them. Absolutely. It's, so. it, it's, a, it's a sick paradox in some yeah. ways. But it's yeah. also a beautiful one, too. It's an invitation. Reciprocity. To Yeah, to do life a little different.
3: One of my favorite phrases, like early in the ordination process, one of the professors was like, if you're the only one hearing your call, (laughs) you're not being called.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or if you're the only one hearing, like, spirit, right? Or God. And it's a particular and it's 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 tricky because we we come from this tradition where you know, we have this legacy of prophets. We're in this legacy of prophets, which often it was very countercultural and like truth to power, right? So like how do how do you decide like where when you are meant to stand alone on something because it's that important to, and when you're just really off base and you're just not listening. To each other, to others.
2: On the other hand, if, if, you know, if everyone knows what your life should look like, I mean, if I look at my own life and I see everybody's input and I see what led to me to be where I'm at, like they're on the one hand, if you're the only one hearing this, yes, you should like sit long enough to hear other people's voices. But on the other hand, if everyone is telling you who you should be and you haven't learned to listen to that, like voice inside of you, that is being drawn out of you, there's a balancing act there too. So it's, it's like, you know, Parker Palmer says, "Breathing in and out, community like solitude; those are two different things." That uh, Bonhoeffer was like, you know, if for those who are solitary, uh, beware of being alone. For those who are completely community oriented, right. beware of community. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind of kind of a beautiful, you know, way way of being a human being. It is a, a paradox, and it's it's really fun, mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs>
0: Well, I think it's also difficult for us because our our narrative in our culture is so individualistic, right? Like, even when we approach scripture, like the prophets, it's an individual prophet who did this one thing. And Mm -hmm. we get into this mode. Like, and, and, and I, I don't know if this is going to be an appropriate example, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway, uh, just as a narrative. Okay. So I'm not trying to, but if you, you remember the movie Schindler List, like that powerful ending where he's like, Oh, if I just would have done this one thing, this mm-hmm. one thing. And we, we build these narratives on one person and whether right. they make the right decision or the wrong decision and the whole thing collapse. And I think that we impose that on ourselves at a certain level. So the truth becomes. So like dire, one of the things that really stuck out to me when I went to Bible college is we were studying the story of Balaam and Balaam's donkey. And it was kind of like this side story, you know, and in the, in the middle of kind of, as we were talking about this, my professor said, where was Israel during all this? Where was Israel? We were like, "Uh, well, I don't know. (laughs) You know, and he said, it was Israel. They were making breakfast. Mm. And it was like, People were just living their lives. And I think sometimes we we forget that as we're going through that there's all these different narratives happening around us. And it's, it's never on our, any one person's shoulders to carry this truth. And I think that for me at that moment, it was this freeing thing of like, okay, if I miss the mark, it's not a catastrophe i i i can I can move, I can pivot, and if I'm allowing myself to be part of a, a chorus of voices, if I'm allowing myself and my truth to come from more than just my individual search, then maybe <laughs> maybe it doesn't have to be the end of the world every time
1: yeah,
2: That's-
1: the more variety we have, the more we have to work with, mm-hmm. so like each of us, the more we can bring in. Um The more we have to work with and to integrate into the next thing
2: it and that's why we're not that's why we're not free from tradition is because some some things to learn do require generations and and time and it, talk mm-hmm. about a short sighted egocentristic or- r- religion centristic perspective to think that like we're the even our generation is the last one i mean so many of us were raised with like that kind of eschatological model that was like we're the the last generation that will ever live on this planet what does that do to your brain it's like what does that do to your vision of like six generations down the line or seven um so i i i want to be free of tradition sometimes sometimes i would love to just be me to be like i've got all the resources i need i don't and in some ways i do i don't have to tap into tradition or listen to it but if we're going to do some cool stuff that's going to take generations, it requires listening to what you're being given.
0: And I and think that, remembering that honoring tradition is not duplicating tradition, right? Right? It's it's it doesn't have to be it's doesn't have to be like this this, you know, statue that stays frozen that we need to replicate as we go forward. It's something that informs how we move forward and change.
2: That's what but I'm preaching you know, on Sunday.
0: Sorry,
3: that's no, okay. um, I, just, I just wonder what would the world be like if all of those institutions disappeared, if they, they just cease to exist tomorrow, like what would that do? And, and, and then I, I, I kind of draw a bit of a parallel, you know, we, we all, all of us work with folks for the most part who are transitioning out of fundamentalist sectarian high control environments. And in hearing their stories, like a lot of times they'll ask, they'll say, is there, in my community, wherever that is, a place that has a more progressive mindset. And, you know, all of us have gone through the exercise of looking up that community, doing a little bit of vetting because we know the code words and sort of what people. And then we say, you know, this place looks kind of cool, but it's probably going to be really different than what you're used to experientially. But try to listen. And time and time again, I don't know if this is true for you, but I'll get a call back I'll, or i rather i'll follow up with the person and say so how was it on sunday i know you said you were going to go were you able to make it how was it more often than not the feedback is you know i am so glad i went those people were really nice the message was right in line and i'm glad they exist and i'm glad i know they exist but i'm not going back cuz it just didn't feel like home mm-hmm. um but knowing that it exists and it's there and holds a place even though you may not be one to access and engage with it provides something that i think is essential
2: like psychologically
3: well i think even even you know in real well you know your psychology has real consequences but uh, for for a community i think having diverse Places in a community are great. Like if you have a conservative mosque, a progressive mosque, a conservative church, a progressive church, you know, and and baseline nobody's trying to kill each other, and and baseline nobody's trying to condemn each other to eternal hellfire or whatever. But but folks practicing distinctly different things,
2: and maybe like I, we're, what we're concerned with is providing them with the atmosphere and the tools to be the best versions of themselves. Like I need, we need the best versions of all these different like entities. And that's the level that we should be interacting with, with, with each other when it comes to talking about different traditions. And
1: it it takes though, um, in order for traditions to get passed on, there has to be folks who feel obligated or feel um, committed or feel like it's their duty To hold the tradition, honor the tradition, and then continue the tradition. And I think that that's where, that's maybe where our individualistic culture seems to fall short. You know, I learned when I was taking a gender studies class in seminary, it was gender studies in um, Judaism and Islam. And there have been so many, um, there's been a lot of research done on, you know, uh, Muslim women wearing the hijab and how that plays in various Western cultures. Right. And most folks in the West in West in the Western world, if they hear that the woman is choosing to wear the hijab because she feels like it's her choice to wear that and she's choosing to wear it, people are fine with it. But if she says it's my duty, it's my obligation, then there's something there's something that just sort of triggers inside the Western mind that resists that and like wants to protect her from a culture that would consider that her duty or obligation. So I think that's part of this critical analysis that we need to start um, or not start, but continue applying is like, where's duty and where's obligation in relation to truth in relation to honoring um, the traditions that we've been handed.
2: As far as that, that example goes. I saw that happen. I was looking through like my journal from a couple years ago and in like 2014 or 15 I saw this neighbor. I had this this neighbor family that gave me their couch. Um they're Muslim and they're they're wearing hijabs and there's this other neighbor I have who was blowing leaves in the in the street and he looks like me, you know, a little bit of white trash, <laughs> like cut-off sleeves, a little bit of pot belly <laughs> like, you know, got you know, like stains on his shirt and stuff. So totally like my, my people. And he goes over and he starts talking to them. And I'm like, I, I, I even hear it in the first place. Cause they're kind of, he's kind of yelling at these people. And I'm like, what the heck? And I go out and I look at him and there's these three women with very beautiful clothing. They're like, take care of their environment. They give a lot back to the community and like he's doing his job too. Right. He's he's blowing leaves out of the street, but he's standing here berating them for wearing hijab hijabs. Hmm. And he's like, I don't like this. And he like takes his hand and he goes like this all over their, like all over their body. And I was like, Wow, that's that's a picture of of what um, you know. Sometimes when we feel we're gifting other people with our freedom or something, and here he is, never, not even curious to enter their world, which is has so much terrain and beauty to it. side note that was like one of my favorite couches i've ever owned in my life is <laughs> it was, it was awesome the one they gave me but yeah i mean that's that just came to my mind while mm-hmm. you were talking
1: well it's like rights and obligations right there's two different ways to talk about our our, our relationship say to tradition or to the, yeah i mean this tradition or to truth even i think um And one plays out a lot better or plays a lot better in the Western context than the other. And I think that's, that's to our detriment in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Our communal communal detriment.
2: You know, where's the person telling him like, you know, I don't like all this. (laughs) You have this like giant leaf blower, this gas guzzling and blowing exhaust everywhere. And, you know your your western lifestyle I don't, I don't know like there's nobody telling him
1: well just the, just the culture war around mask wearing right now during this pandemic oh right my God.
0: <laughs> right yeah so if you are joining us live feel free to enter into the conversation by giving your comments um we're kind of getting close to the the end. I just do want to let everyone know that if you have any questions or you want to listen to this or you want to comment on this or you want to see any links to something that we talk about in this particular conversation, uh, the URL for this uh, episode, once it gets on our feed on Wednesday morning, is com slash 167 live. That's com slash 167 live. That's primarily for those of you that are listening on delay. Uh, anytime you can just go to com. check out what we have going on. Uh, don't forget to do that. And then as well as, um, we are committed to doing this continuing the conversation through the next episode. So, so far we have it scheduled to do the continuing the conversation through our truth series. And then we're actually getting together and we're going to reevaluate and, uh, to see if this is something we want to continue or keep at a rare Basis. So if you have any comments on this and you like what we're doing with this continuing the conversation, please let us know. And you can do that by emailing us at podcast at Irenicast.com. And you can give us some insight in turn in terms of how you are enjoying the Facebook Live offerings and YouTube Live offerings that we have been providing thus far. Um, that's uh, podcast at uh, And unless there are any comments right now in the comment section, um, anyone have any any final thoughts on uh, who tells the truth before we kind of wrap up this this uh, post-conversation?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, hey, Joe G., uh, keep it up, is his comment. Thank you for that. Oh, yeah.
0: Hey, Joe. this is you are our first YouTube
3: commenter, so thank uh, you so much. by world. the flag by the flag, I'm <laughs> guessing you're not in North America. <laughs> Maybe uh, let us know that that'd be cool. Yeah, we um, appreciate that. Thank you so much. So one of my final comments, Jeff, is and actually Alan, gas leaf blowers don't guzzle gas. they're actually <laughs> really? very fuel efficient.. Um, <laughs> And you got to have that power, man. You got to have that power, or else you're out there like two hours longer than you need to be.
0: (laughs) There's some truth right there for you. You need to.
2: (laughs) I just leave my leaves
0: because it's good for the earth. Yeah. It's good for my back and workload,
3: too. Yeah. It's
2: probably not good for the earth when it's like sitting on all the concrete in front of my house. Yeah. But I like uh,
3: it. Get get a compost barrel or something.
2: There you one go. thing hey. that one thing that we blew by. I was saying that uh, I was going to preach on something this Sunday, and really, mm-hmm. it's on Jesus telling his disciples, like you know, he's the teacher, and he teaches his disciples, his students, that they're going to do different things than he did, right. bet better things than he did, better things, but, yeah. And there's not a parent in the world that doesn't want you to actually do better than they did, to some extent. I mean, maybe there are some outliers or whatever, but that's generally what what it means. And there are no teachers. There shouldn't be teachers in the world that don't want you to do better than, than they did. Like taking in truth, the whole purpose of it or education or whatever we want to call it's that so we would do something beautiful with it. So that's the one thing I'd leave everyone watching is do something beautiful with it.
1: Alan, that makes me think of a, a teacher that one of my kids had and a science teacher. And at the end of the class, you know, the, the science teacher's like, all right, so I told you what I know about science to this point. Now go out and prove me wrong.
3: That's great. Right. Just a quick shout out to Greg Davis, who's uh, checking us out on the watch party with UCC clergy.
1: Oh. Yay.
0: Clergy watching us. Hey,
1: Greg.
3: (laughs) Keep keeping us in line. Yeah. How do you see that? And I don't see that.
1: Are you you looking on?
0: I
3: I just tried to. I just was like, let me start a watch party, see what happens. Oh okay, <laughs> we've got a, we've got a watch party going on. So you know, maybe yeah. we should
2: have a watch party for all of us who are experiencing all this trauma together.
1: Oh. Just hang
2: out, and have conversations.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh,
0: we got our second YouTube. Co- YouTube's blowing up today. Thank you, Dom. Love the Thank podcast. You, Keep it up. Oh. Thank you so much. This is amazing. This is yes. we got. We haven't had any. Like literally, every time we've been on here, I've been checking the stream, and no one's been watching us live on YouTube. And now we got two comments from YouTube. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Appreciate it.
2: YouTube's the way to go. That's the only reason I know what I know. In any in any sense, is YouTube. It's, it's YouTube. YouTube. I would say don't ever oh, trust God. Facebook. Always trust YouTube.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't have had such a hard time when I was an adolescent without a dad if YouTube was around. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube could have been my dad. It's
2: not too late. <laughs> not too late. Oh <laughs> it Has everything you need. I even have one of those subscriptions. There's a lot of truth think? there. <laughs> I have I've a subscription learned. to YouTube. <laughs> you may not even know that's a thing, but like, I have yeah. a page where there's no ads, and I can like listen to it when I close the phone out.
3: So great. great! All right, but well, well, you do the whole YouTube music thing. <laughs> no, sorry, I, Jeff, I, Jeff's like trying to get us going. Yeah. <laughs>
2: we're, no, not, Jeff, we're not done talking yet. Well.
0: <laughs> we're we're done. We can we can talk
2: in the green room after. <laughs> um, can I say a YouTube thing since we are on YouTube? Oh my God! Go do it, do it! Smash do it. that like button, subscribe, <laughs> share with your friends. <laughs> coming at you, coming at you from the like bunker it. in the
1: middle of the pandemic. Oh, that's so great! I always wanted to
2: do that. Oh my gosh,
1: that's a life! All right, Jeff, please. All right.
0: Now, now we've fulfilled <laughs> Alan's greatest dream to be able to say the, the, the cliche closing YouTube stuff. Uh, for those of you that are actually listening to us on a regular podcast feed, don't forget to always subscribe to the show, uh, on whatever podcast platform you're on. And if you like what we do here, you can always donate at com slash PayPal, a one-time gift or an ongoing gift. We always appreciate that as well. So, uh, thank you everyone for listening at you on YouTube, on Facebook, on our uh, podcast feed. And again, let us know if this is something you'd like us to continue to do. We're, uh, we're getting in ready to reevaluate our quarantine practices with the podcast to see what's going to stay and what's going to go, and uh, we we always appreciate the input. So, uh, so for this week, uh, my name's Jeff.
2: It's
3: your boy Alan. This is Bonnie. Peace, love, and hugs. Lots of virtual hugs. This is Rajiv. Thanks for continuing the conversation.
2: Take care, everyone.